You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, good morning. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. We love you, Pastor. And it's a joy to be with you and to get to preach. That's going to be fun. Yes, indeed. I just love this series. You guys have done such a wonderful, wonderful job. We've got someone uh, scheduled for the 17th, or is it the 24th? Who am I talking to? Uh, to myself? Yeah. <laughs> we got the 24th scheduled. Okay, very good. So let us know if the Lord's putting something on your heart. We are in Lent. Last time I preached was the first Sunday of Epiphany, and uh, that was a long time ago. That was uh, the first <laughs> of January. <laughs> and so now here we are. We're in Lent. Last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and so we begin the Lenten season. How many are really excited about Lent this year? You're just saying, all right, it's Lent. Yes! And if you're part of the traditional church, you've got an association with Lent being a time when you put ashes on yourself and you get your sackcloth on and it's a time of repentance and weary heaviness and there's not supposed to be any fun during Lent. We're just going to show Jesus that we are just so sad. Well, that's the way kind of traditionally it happens and, and a lot of Catholicism, you know, they're they're Crap, they're, they're, they're crawling on broken glass going up to the steps to the cathedral to show their penance and to show their heart sorrow for their sins. And so Lent's a good time for us to, to deal with sin if there's still any sin to be left. Right. Uh, I hope we're getting it by now that what Jesus did on the cross took care of our sin nature. We may have some patterns of sin that still needs to be dealt with, but the nature has been <laughs> tacked with Jesus on the cross. Yes. And so, yes, we still come up short. Yes, uh, we may still have some patterns that we haven't quite figured out how to bring them, but we start from a place of the sin nature being crucified with Christ. It is dead. And now we got to learn how to appropriate his righteousness to all the areas and to all the lies and all the unbelief that the enemy has worked into us throughout a lifetime of hurts, traumas, disappointments, abuse, all of that kind of stuff. And we need to find out how do we appropriate his resources in those areas of our lives. So I'm excited about Lent. Lent is going to be a wonderful time. Lent is a season to journey with Jesus and his passion, to look at his passion. I've always, during this season, as we get into Lent and as we hit Passion Week, I love the triumph of the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And then it's like I go in depression for the rest of the week until after uh, he's been crucified. I don't even... Mel Gibson's movie just messed me up. And uh, when you see the, what the passion of the Christ really looks like, it does something to our hearts and our spirit and our lives. It, it has a profound effect. We can't let the enemy use it 
to take us to depression, but we can have the Holy Spirit use it to show us. Jesus is not just an example for us. Jesus is an, ex is an example of us. And we'll look at that in a minute. I'm excited about what, what I have to share today. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3, uh, which is my very first sermon I ever preached when I was like 14 years old. Uh, came from Philippians chapter 3, and it's just been my, my passion. Uh, I just love this. Uh, verse 10 and 11, I love them, I love them, I love them. So, so, so good. Lent helps us to identify willingly with Christ's suffering. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. How many have started the negativity fast? Anybody done any negativity fasting? Was that good? Let's see if I into a nearby iPad and look at today's. Today's light of fast is if I don't feel anointed, it means I'm not. So I should, shouldn't even bother praying, telling others about Jesus, ministering, etc. If you don't feel it, don't do it. That's the lie. The truth to feast upon is I have an anointing that abides whether I feel it or not. And I am daily impacting the world for Jesus. I like that. Right That's our, our, our lie to fast, the negativity that oftentimes we let our emotions determine how we're going to live, how effective we're going to be, what kind of initiation uh, with others we're going to take. So I love that. So let's fast on that negativity and let's, let's feast on the very promises of God. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Mm. Listen to that in the Passion Translation. I bet no one thought I would even get that one out today. But I'm going to go back up one verse and go to verse 7. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took for credit, I've now forsaken them and regard them as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Feel that? I'm delighting in knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Mm. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all his Greatness. Yeah. My passion is to be consumed with him 
and not clinging to my own righteousness, quote unquote, based in keeping the written law, my righteousness will be his, based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus. I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me, I will be one with him in his suffering and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your one and only begotten Son. Mm -hmm. Mm. That through believing in him, we have eternal life, forever and ever, everlasting life. We say thank you. We thank you, Father, that you have given us your Son. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us your Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've come to make the Son known, who makes the Father known. We thank you for the beauty of the triune God. We thank you for the community of fellowship that you model for us, that shows us how we're to be incorporated into this holy community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters, we seek to be one with you. We want to know you more than we've ever known you. We thank you, Father, that you are so wonderful, so infinitely good, so infinitely loving that you invite us to know you and to know you and to know you for all eternity. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to begin knowing you that there is the ability, the enabling grace that the Holy Spirit provides to be with you and to know you in deeper, deeper ways every moment, every day. And so come, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what Father, Son, and you are saying to us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord requires a few things. One, I got to forsake all my accomplishments. Everything that I think I've achieved that will in any way hinder my ability to know him as Lord is something that I need to deal with. So I take my Bible quiz trophies lay them down. I take my degree from Asbury College and lay it down. I take my degree from Asbury Theological Seminary. I'm a cemeterian. And I lay it down. Somebody caught that. Good, thanks. You take all the things that you've achieved, all your levels of advancement and promotion, This is what Paul is doing when he begins chapter 3. He says, if anyone has a reason to boast about being righteous according to the law, he was faultless. 
He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, and, and as he went through and had reason to boast because of all his academic abilities for all his religious observances, all of that when it came to the reality of knowing Jesus, he says none of that counts. If we're trying to build a righteousness based on our performance, we'll keep tabs of, of what our record is. We'll keep track of, you know, I'm 22 and 7, or, you know, I'm undefeated this year, or so far this hour I haven't sinned. All right. Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I just did. <laughs> Boasting pride. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and so we, we, we get all of that and we realize that all of that is just doo-doo. That's what he says. He says, for the sake of knowing Jesus, I consider it rubbish. I just put it in the dung pile because it has nothing to benefit me in a personal relationship with my Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. He says, I got to let go of everything. Everything in the past, I got to let go of. Uh, all my victories. Oh, I could sit here and boast for a while. Let you know how many people I've led to Christ, how many people were healed, how many home runs I hit in Little League, how many home runs I hit in Pony League, how many home runs I hit in, in college. I could just boast, 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 boast. <laughs> And would that impress anybody? It would impress you in how proud <laughs> I am. And it's like, there is no value. Everything in the past has no significance as far as an intimate relationship with him. Does that mean we never look to the past? No, in our intimate relationship with him, sometimes he will bring up the past in as much as the past is restricting limiting and hindering our ability to be intimate with him. And so there's things that he might go back and visit with us, but he always goes with us and he takes us, not so we can become navel gazers, but so we can be more free to enter into a greater sense of intimate relationship with him. Everything evolves around closeness, oneness, nearness, and dearness with him. And so we see that he's, he's so wonderful with that. So we, we, we got to let go of everything in the past. We got to let go of the hurts. We got to let go of the wounds, especially the ones that the evil one has tried to use that says, that's who you are. The wounds, the hurts, the lies, the abuse that tries to define who we are. Even our sin patterns that try to say, this is who I am. We've got to let that go because that will keep us from being able to increase in our intimate relationship with God. The result, <laughs> so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ. Right on. The word enrich always implies that wherever you are, there's more. If you say you're rich, you can still be more rich. You can be enriched. And it has to do with being able to take that step that allows you to be able to receive more of what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to give. To be able to receive what they want you and me to know 
about who they are. His goodness. His goodness is so amazing. Uh, you know, in, in Greek, there's two words for good. One has to do with moral goodness and one has to do with kind of aesthetic goodness. And, and within that concept, it's like, you never touch bottom when you come to the goodness of God. When we start to experience relationship with Jesus, we see a beauty that defines anything that we've ever seen before on this planet. Last week when Mike was beautifully doing his solitude message and showing us those pictures of the sunrise and, and the beauty of a morning walk, it was just like, wow. And that just begins to scratch the surface of how beautiful Jesus is. All of creation speaks of his beauty. And yet he wants the, the creation to point to him, but it's just supposed to be the appetizer. It's just supposed to be the thing that gets you inspired to say, I want to know you more. And so as we begin to take the steps to get closer and closer to him, we see how beautiful he gets. I don't know if you remember the, the commercials way back, and they, they would do the, the two lovers in a meadow, and the closer he gets, the better she looks, and they're running through the meadows. Well, I don't even remember what it was about, uh, but it was, it was about, man, there's something about that that is so powerful. Whatever it was, it probably sold a lot of stuff, because the closer you get to Jesus, the more beautiful you see him for who he is. The more the religious trappings begin to fall off, the more the rules and the do's and don'ts begin to wane, because when you see him and you see him as he is, it changes you. What you behold, you become more like. And so the more we look at Christ, the more we become like Christ, because he's in us and we're in him. <clears throat> I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ. This isn't uh, Jedi mind tricks. This is enriched in the reality. There's something about that expression that just does something to me on the inside. It's not something that I manufacture in my imagination, although I love that the Holy Spirit uses my imagination to help me be inspired to see more of Christ and to pursue more of him, but it's the reality. It's the reality of him that is so incredible, the reality of knowing him. It's so real. It's more real than anything. And as soon as you have uh, some history with intimacy with Jesus, the evil one will always come and try to use whatever mechanism he can to try to restrict the reality of what you're experiencing of his goodness. You know, when, when I came into different expressions, when I had the encounter with the Holy Spirit who brought a whole another level of revelation of the beauty of Jesus. And as I began to receive the gifts that he had given to me, all of a sudden, even the church started to say, no, you can't do that. And I'm thinking, why? It's the gifts, the vehicle, the, the, the agency of the anointing of the Holy Spirit brought an enabling 
grace to know Jesus in ways that I had never known him before. And it was like, why would anyone ever restrict or limit or say that's not for today? That is unthinkable. Sure is. Anything that leads you into a greater intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, go for. Embrace, receive, receive all the gifts, receive all the graces, receive all the experiences that you can. This uh, last week when we were over in, in uh, Urbana for the More Love, More Power con conference, they had those that felt like the Lord was calling them to be fathers in their community to, to go over to this wall. And so I go over to this wall and, and I'm just waiting on the Lord because I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go over there and I'm just waiting. And, and some people came by to start praying on me. Whoa. These weren't just, uh, Jesus bless this man. Yay. If it's your will. Hallelujah. Amen. Dying all night. Man. Must have been two or three of them that got a hold of me. I was kind of caught up with the Lord. Next thing I know, I was on the floor, caught up with the Lord, caught down with the Lord, uh, having some serious carpet time. And it was just wonderful. It was just wonderful. Now, some of us, you know, that might be something that's just outside our box. I want to encourage you, get outside your box. Right. Let God have permission to get you out of the box because he's not in a box and he wants you to be where he is. And so let's all get out of the box. Some of us, we've got to get out of the closet before we can get out of the box. <laughs> but let's get honest. Let's get honest where we are so that we can get free so that we can experience more than what we're experiencing today. Amen for that. Mm. I may embrace him. This is the second result when we forsake and we surrender. I may embrace him as Lord of all his greatness. Lord in all his greatness. To embrace him. Man, that means that we are speaking my primary love language. Physical touch. Embrace the Lord in all his greatness. <clears throat> Come on, Jesus. You know, embrace him. Get close to him. Hold on to him. I don't know what part of Jesus you identify with. If it's him putting his arm around you, if it's him taking you by the hand. <laughs> I love the psalmist who says, kiss the son in Psalm 2. And I constantly, every morning, I, I, I think, Lord, thank you for my lips. Anoint them that I might kiss the son in all his beauty. I want to be affectionate in my relationship with Jesus and to embrace him in all his greatness. How great is Jesus to you? How great is he in all his greatness? The enemy would seek to, to just confine Jesus to your ticket to heaven, to your salvation spiritually, and try to just shrink Jesus's greatness down to only applying to when you're in trouble or when you're in need. And so that the only time I really spend time with Jesus is when I can't help myself 
and I need somebody else, and I've already called everybody else and nobody else. And so Jesus, help. No, all his greatness, embrace him. His lordship in all its greatness. You, you can't even begin to comprehend how great he is. You know, I, I, I just blow circuits in my brain when I try to, to realize how great the lordship of Jesus Christ is. He is so amazing. This is why we're encouraged to pray and to meditate, to spend time in the word and just allow the Holy Spirit to unveil to us the greatness of Christ. We have his beauty, we have his greatness. And oftentimes when you see his greatness, it's always associated, especially in Ephesians, in in Paul's prayers, his greatness is related to his power. And sometimes his power is a demonstration of his greatness. And sometimes his greatness is discovered when he powerfully moves. You know, when, when we pray for someone with a cold and their cold symptoms get better, we say, oh, God's great. We pray with someone who, who, who's got a sickness, you know, they, they've got lupus or something, and we pray and, and he heals and we go, oh, that's, that's good. He sure is. When we pray for someone who's got cancer, and his power is released. We go, yes. I don't know what it would be in, in New Testament times. I would think leprosy or blindness, uh, uh, the inability to walk, the, the, the lame, the crippled. When the power of his greatness was released then, I think people became aware that God was greater than what they thought. You know, the same thing happens today. When someone has a miracle take place, it reflects the greatness of God. And we see God different. And it's like, whoa. Sometimes we have such big problems and such a little bitty God, instead of understanding how great our God is and what our difficulties are look like in comparison to him. Mm. Now, most of us, we, we live life relationally. We live it based on our experiences and we've asked God to show his greatness by healing this and it hasn't happened yet. So therefore we conclude that God is just kind of great. He's great on certain days, maybe for certain people, certain times of the year. Or his greatness will only happen when the waters are troubled and then we jump in. And so if we could just get the worship team up here and bring us to a level of trembling in the waters, you know, we could all jump in and and see God's greatness in it and be healed of everything. One of the things about the jealousy of our God, he knows when we're doing it for the five loaves and the fish, when we're doing it because we want our bellies filled, when we're doing it because we've got a physical need, and when we do it because we love him. And one of the keys of seeing greater miracles today is for us to learn how to relate to him 
without seeking the miracle, but seeking the intimacy of his love and seeking the opportunity to release an ever-increasing love as his love for us, we're able to receive it in greater waves, we're able to, to release it back in worship and affection to him. And as that level of intimacy takes place, I think you're going to see the other stuff just happening. Just because we're there. We're not saying, okay, God, if you're really God, then do this. No. Because we know who he is, we say, Lord, there's a good place to display your glory. I want to cooperate with what you're doing there. Release the fullness of your greatness. Doesn't prove, it reveals what's already eternally proven. He doesn't need to prove himself. How great is he to you? Well, he wants to show himself even more greater than what we've known. He says, my passion is to be consumed with him. And that is my passion. I hope it's all our passion to be consumed with him. It's, it's, it's not the, you know, the accusation, the enemy's gotten so much mileage out of this, you know, so-and-so is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The one who's really heavenly minded is so earthly good, it's unbelievable. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to know heaven if we know what we need to pray and to bring to earth. What is it? How does the earth need to change? How does this reality that we're living in need to be transformed? It comes from a revelation from heaven to earth. We need to see from God's perspective. My righteousness really doesn't accomplish a lot. I can keep all the rules and, you know, being a melancholy, my natural temperament is to be right. And so I, I, I don't want to be wrong. And as a result of that, I don't break rules. I don't break rules. Most of the time. I try not to break rules. I like being right. You know, and it's like, oh. And so we, we don't break the rules. And we get self-righteousness, which I find is a, is a worse sin than all the others because we think we have no need of a Savior because we're righteous. No, that's where Paul was, and that's not where he stayed. When he was Saul, he was self-righteous. When he encountered Jesus and began his intimate journey with Jesus, he became Paul, and he identified that it was not his righteousness, but it was now Christ's righteousness that was his. I love that. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. We have a real righteousness in our account. It's not because we're thinking good religious thoughts. It's because it's reality. It's the reality of his lordship in our life. And that reality says, in our account, God sees righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. It's based on the faithfulness of Jesus. Hmm. 
I love that. It's not based on my faithfulness. Otherwise, I would forever be trapped in a performance loop. But it's based on his performance. It's based on his faithfulness. And he did it right. I don't know if you have cable, but uh, of lately they've been showing a lot of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. I'm wondering if it's because Easter's coming up and, and Lent. And, and in, that, in that little uh, C.S. Lewis book, it is so powerful. I was watching it with Layla yesterday and Debbie. And as we, as we saw the scene where Aslan uh, breaks, uh, makes, makes the offering, the exchange for Edmund, where he goes and gives his life for Edmund. And, you know, as he comes, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's coming up here in a minute. But as he goes, you know, and all the things that they did to Christ is now symbolically portrayed in what they did to this lion as they cut his mane off and as they slapped him and poked him and hit him and kicked him and then eventually took the knife and killed him. And it was just like, in my heart, I'm crying. I'm watching it, trying not to let Layla see that Grandpa's crying like a little baby. And, uh, and then just waiting as, as Lucy and Susan just are right there with Aslan as they're waiting for, uh, and they're just grieving and that he's lost. And, and the, the trees send the message, you know, that the, that the white witch's armies are coming and as they're doing that. And, and then all of a sudden, Susan and Lucy get ready to leave. And as they're walking, all of a sudden, the table, the stone table cracks, representing the curtain from top to bottom. And Aslan, majestically, with glory, and it's just like, I could feel it right now. It's just like, oh, it's so good. Might have to show that clip at Easter. I don't know. It's just so good. So wonderful. Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. That's the Narnia Chronicles, the first one. And it's so good. And so it's like, wow, the righteousness that comes from God is so incredible. It comes from him. It's rooted in him. And by that is what brings us into his presence. I still remember from my free Methodist days, especially as we prepare for communion, and we'd say, through no merit of our own through no merit of our own. And we know what we mean by that. It's not a righteousness that's ours, but it's through the righteousness of Jesus that is now one with us, that we come into his presence. And we don't have to come going, we can come boldly before the throne of grace because of the righteousness of Jesus. It's a reality It's a reality. That's why we can go boldly before the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go boldly before the throne. Mm. Yeah, his image is restored in us. That's what Jesus did. It's not about us being self-righteous. It's about the true righteousness of Christ living in us and us living in him. And I, and this is my favorite verse, And I've got five minutes. Okay. Continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. 
There's something about wonder that's just been hitting me as I, as I just stop and think and allow myself to have time to look and to meditate on how wonderful Jesus is. Sometimes when I'm in worship, all I can do is just say, wonderful, 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 wonderful. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so merciful. You're so wonderful, 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 wonderful. The wonders of Jesus. Huh. Come on. I want to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. Continually. One, to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working through me. Psalm 30 says, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and you did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his saints. Praise his holy name. Mm. The power of his resurrection working in me. Being one with him in his sufferings. Here we look to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2.21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When, he, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Being one with him in his sufferings. He suffered, not just so that we wouldn't have to suffer. He suffered a level of suffering that hopefully we won't have to experience. But he showed us that as we follow him, suffering may be part of the plan. Don't be surprised when you encounter various trials. Count it all joy. You know, it it shouldn't surprise us when suffering. Sometimes when you get into the name it, claim it, and the prosperity gospel that is just, you know, a little warped. uh, I believe in prosperity, so don't don't mishear me. because I I was so anti-prosperity gospel that it took the Holy Spirit a while to get me healthily on the prosper side. But now it's like, okay, there is a reality here that we need to catch. We may suffer, but we don't suffer. We don't suffer, we don't grieve like the world grieves. It's not a suffering that comes to us as a punishment. It's an invitation to share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. There's times when we may be called to suffer, especially in our community and with our world becoming more and more hostile toward Christianity, towards Jesus, that there might be a time when we speak up. Yeah, there's going to be a time. I'd like to keep it in the optative mood, but I think it's beyond that. There's, there, the days are upon us when we need to speak. And when we speak up, we don't, 
when the insults start coming, we don't hurl them back. When they're hurled at us, we keep silent. There's something inside of us created in God's image with justice that we have to put that under the blood because oftentimes when there is mistreatment, everything inside of me wants to punch someone. You know, it's like, but when it comes to yourself, it's like, Lord, give me the grace to endure sufferings. Because in this chapter, he goes on to say that when we suffer unjustly, and within the context of the scripture, that in the presence of sacrificial injustice, where we suffer unjustly, there is an environment and there is a grace that's released for the gospel to go forth. And that's what you see through all of Acts with the persecution of the early church, that as they were persecuted and did not retaliate, it brought an environment, a soil that was fertilized to release the gospel and to see it expand and go. So as we think of Lent, we, we do have an opportunity to really embrace the fellowship of his sufferings. And that's something that I would encourage you to, to spend some time and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what is, what is some of the sufferings that may be coming your path, get a heads up so that you know how to walk in it without retaliating so that you can bear up under it. And it can become an environment for redemption. It can be a, a redemptive experience instead of a destructive experience. Being one with his sufferings and being one with him in his death. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me we do get identified in the sufferings and the death of Jesus. Why? <laughs> For our last slide. So that we can experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. To really experience the fullness of resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be one with him in his sufferings and to share in the fellowship of his sufferings, and we have to become one with him in his death, fully death. One died for all, then all died. All were dead. Mm. So that we can know the oneness of his resurrection. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your love. So beautifully demonstrated to us. Mm. over and over, climaxing with the beauty of Jesus. We invite you, Holy Spirit, mm, to glorify Jesus in this place, in our minds, our heart, our spirit, our bodies, our lives. Come, come. We want to know. You've placed a longing in us to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And so we don't want uh, our experience historically to define our present and our future. 
Lord, we want to know you more fully. The wonders of Jesus. So come, Lord. Come. As the worship team comes, and now would be a good time. Anne's got something that the Lord laid on her heart for ministry time today. So I asked her if she would share that with us. And here she is. Um, during the conference at um, More Love, More Power, I feel like I got something broken off of me. Um, I really struggle with comparison. And um, like if I see people that are doing things that look, you know, way above me or whatever, I keep, I'm always constantly like, oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing that. Why am I not as far along as that person? And at the conference, they really stressed um, just that each of us have a unique call and a unique place in the masterpiece of God. And if we don't do our job, then and we try to do somebody else's job or we try to be somebody else, then it, uh, you know, it just shortcut or stops God's masterpiece. So we need to just be ourselves. So anyway, I'll be glad to pray for anybody that struggles with comparison. Okay. Any, anybody struggling with comparison, come over and be with Ann and receive ministry. Okay. I think that just the theme of today is more. You know, to, to, to know the wonders of Jesus. And I think that includes every person in this room that we all want to know him, know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and release whatever that looks like for you in the next step that you need to take to experience the wonders of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We're never going to be smart enough to understand. But you didn't make it rocket science. You made it a relationship. And we know that for relationships to work, we've got to spend time with you. We've got to be together. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would release a grace for us from this day forward that spending time with you will not be a religious duty, ought, but will be a joy, an invitation, to oneness with you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the ability to alter our schedule, alter our busy lives, to make the main thing the main thing, which is to know you. And so, Father, may we know you, the fellowship of your sufferings, being conformed to your death, so as to attain the resurrection of the dead. May we be one with you. Let's stand together and sing our last song. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.